Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Canty in for Key today. That UConn game was special. 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 That's special. the word. I was going to say bananas, but special is even better. Bananas. Double OT, man. I- I'll tell you what, like, you get someone like Paige Beckers. And we all know, yeah, she's player of the year and might do it, you know, if not for the injury, might have done it again. And But how do they react in the biggest moments, right? Like, to me, there's a, I have a clutch scale. Like, Dante's Inferno levels of clutch mm-hmm. from the top to, to the bottom rung of hell, right? Like, the bottom rung of hell is you're one of the greatest players ever. And when it matters most, you are awful, right? Yeah. And the top rung is Michael Jordan. Mariano Rivera, you're the best who ever did it. Well, how do you do when it mattered most? Even better. Well, how's that possible, right? Paige Becker's when it mattered most showed up, and they won. That's Jay to me. That's like the ultimate. She is a clutch player. I mean, you think about the clutch players that have came through this program: mm. Sue Bird, Maya Moore, Oof. Brianna Stewie. I mean, like Stewie. Diana Taurasi. Diana Taurasi, my favorite. I mean, just a clutch player after clutch player. And it just felt like last night, even hearing um, uh, Williams talk about afterwards, the player for UConn, she was like, you know, look, as soon as Paige made that first bucket, I just knew the rim was going to become like an ocean mile. Yeah, because it didn't look like that the first three quarters of that game. Yeah, well, she had been playing. uh, She came off injury this year, guys. I mean, she's been working her way back into the season. It's been incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, she drops 15 points in both overtimes. And you saw in those spots, she was able to get to her spots, and her team was able to facilitate that. So really impressive for her to be able to flip that switch and turn it on after not playing good basketball for the majority of the game. But, CCC, this proves a bigger point to me. And I I watch all sports, but I – Definitely know college basketball. I know the NBA, and I watch women's basketball. It feels like the women's game is in a better place and is better suited long-term than men's college basketball right now. And I think I look at brands, mm. right? Who are the, like, I'll give you some brands. Here's some examples. Like, you guys cover all sports. Like, tell me what – okay, Keegan Murray. Do you know who Keegan Murray is? Yeah, from Iowa, yeah. From like, Iowa, yeah. but, like, not a big brand, right? Nah. You're not seeing commercials with Keegan Murray. No. Nah. Johnny Davis – Wisconsin, up for National Player of the Year. You're not seeing commercials with Johnny Davis. They're here today, gone tomorrow. Ochi Abagji from Kansas. He gets busy. He gets busy, but you're not seeing him promoted or marketed anywhere. Paige Beckers, you know what school she plays for. You see in ideals around her. Like There are certain people where you start going through it, and you're like, okay, Haley Van Lyft. Haley Jones from Stanford. There you go, Haley Van Lyft. She has over 700,000 people that follow her on IG. Heck of a pregame speech last weekend, too. And she talks about her relationship with Kobe and what that means to her. So it feels like there are more well-known brands in women's basketball more so than men's. One of those brands is Paige Beckers, as you mentioned. Maybe the biggest brand at the moment. Here she is on heading home to Minneapolis for the Final Four. She's from there. You're going back home, Paige. The final 
wins in your home state, what does that mean? Uh, two days ago, I said win or go home, but we won, and I'm still going home, so this is crazy. I don't know. I'm just so excited, no matter the location, no matter where it is. I get to keep playing with my team, so I'm super excited. Man, you love to hear that excitement. And, and that was one of the things that Gino Ariema talked about after the game, right? He says each time it's, it's special because it's the first time for that specific group of women. And, like, to, to see him relive that, even though he's been on this stage so many different times. We're talking about 14 straight Final Fours. And then to have a, I mean, a back-to-back, you know, game like the way that they did, like, to, to be able to be where he was at and to have the opportunity to compete and beat the number one overall seed in the women's tournament at NC State. Like, that's impressive to see Geno do that. And it seems like this is something that he enjoys, he relishes all the time. But to have those players come out and express that raw emotion, that's pretty cool. I think you're mistaken. You said 13 straight. It's 14 straight. He I said 14. 14. He said 14. I said 14. Uh, he did? Yeah, yeah I said 14. 14. But it was How a back. But, Jay, it was, that, but, that, Jay, but that's what we're arguing Jay, about. You know, whether you, it was you, know why, you know why 13 is in your mind? Because, because, because there were 13 lead changes in last night's game. Oof, there were you. nine ties in look last night's game. Look it was a you. back and forth game. All right, so do you know the last 22 times, Max? Huh. They've either won a championship or they've lost in the semifinals. Yeah, no, I yeah. saw that stat on Sports Center this morning, actually. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so here's Gino talked about, Gino Ariama talked about after the game, the responsibility, it seems to me. I don't know if you used the word responsibility, but that's what I heard him. That's what I heard the message. Because young women go to him for a chance to play in the Final Four, right? Mm-hmm. And he's delivering it. And they are every single year. Every year there, he's delivering. What does that make him as a coach in the American sports landscape? On the one hand, this is, you know, John Wooden did things no one ever did before, but the environment was right for it. So when you look at someone like Coach K, you go, it's harder to do what Coach K is doing now, maybe, arguably, than what Wooden did then. Mm-hmm. Because it's, there, it's, it's a more homogenized, it's a bigger situation. And so there are fewer extreme examples of excellence, right? Mm. Even if Gino Ariema, though, is in a situation that's more similar to Wooden than Coach K, he's doing basically what Wooden did. Like, he, he's he's the, the level of dominance. Jay, is this the number one coach in sports? He's in that conversation. He's in that battle for it. I mean, the sustained excellence over the period of time. Now, somebody can make a case that you, you – the, the product is more sustainable because of the fact that they have to be in school longer so you know what you can get. It allows you to build more camaraderie and chemistry through the continuity you build with your team. I, I, here's where I would say I think college basketball on the men's side is more challenging to a degree because of the one and done, because yeah. of the quick turnover. Because of the where, money in the NBA, basically. Where I have yeah. to yeah. give the, the slight edge to a guy like Coach K. But, I mean, it, you're still talking about – they are one of one. Like, there are special ones in the room. Like, we talk about this in basketball. There's a room, and they're special. The great of the greats are in this room. The Michael Jordans. Yep. The Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. The LeBron James. And Gino is in that room yep. with the John Wooden. Like, with all the greatest coaches to ever live in the history of all sports, he's in that room. No doubt about it. But, Jay, back to your original point about which one is in better shape, the state of the women's game in college basketball or men's. I'm starting to move toward your position strictly from the point of a character development aspect of it, right? Because you're more invested in the actual players because you've seen them longer. I mean, it's comparable to, you know, uh, a a series on television versus a movie, right? Mm -hmm. 
People mm-hmm. are more passionate about series, about shows, than they are about the movies because they've invested a certain amount of time in getting to know the characters that have been played out and been developed throughout the course of that series being alive versus just going two hours in the theater and watching a one-off Come movie. Come on, Duquan still pulls on my heartstrings. And CC, <laughs> I mean, I, I did basketball for college basketball for 11 years. Yeah. Do you know what our producers and people we have talk about going into every season? Tell people who they are, where they're from, and tie them into the school. That's every it. year. Because there was always a new, fresh crop of young players coming in. And the turnover, you had the NBA draft. It was like things kept – it was hard for me to keep up. There were times I would mention a name from five years ago that played for Kentucky. Like, wait a second. He's not talking about a different way. Because the turnover happens so fast. We are into, The human brain understands the world through storytelling. That's, how, that's yep. how we understand the world. The story is only as interesting as the characters are interesting. How invested are you in, they, yep. in those characters? Uh, what's at stake for them? You got to know that. What's the obstacle? How hard is it to overcome? You in men's college basketball, you learn about it. You start looking at it in February, right? And by April, it's over. Yeah. But in women's college basketball, you take the journey with the characters, and so you're more invested in the story. I think that's mm. an interesting point. It is set up partly because there's not the same money in the WNBA to lure, and there are rules against women jumping out of college straight to the WNBA too. But I'll bet you if there was enough money in the WNBA, that might change, right? But the point is, it is set up structurally for some time now, for women's college ball to continue to grow in popularity. It only grows when the tournament comes around. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, I pay attention to some of the things that happen throughout the course of the regular season, but not every – there's too many sports going on all day long for people to understand, unless Geno's team goes undefeated, which they've done six times, by the way, (laughs) in his career. Six times. Like Then Sports Center, we start talking about Yeah, or Caitlin Clark drops 50. Drops 50. (laughs) Caitlin drops 50. There have been more professional athletes tweeting about the women's college basketball game than the men's game. I've I've seen Kevin Durant tweet about Caitlin. I've seen C.J. McCollum tweet about what happened last night with Paige Beckers. More so than the men's game. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. March Madness Reaction is brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Let's get back to the NFL. When he went no huddle and they started to make plays. All the big games but light on time? Let us catch you up. Definitely not fun ever playing against no huddle offense. Let's run the no huddle. Whether you huddle, whether you don't huddle, it still comes down to just the execution. We're going to go no huddle, guys. Get you caught up on everything that happened yesterday at the NFL's owner meeting where almost every NFL head coach is speaking over the first two mornings. That includes 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan, who addressed the situation with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. I mean, when we start up, I mean, if he's with our team, I expect him to be with us, you know, and that's, I know his rehab is going to take longer. I don't think he's going to be ready to throw in OTAs and stuff, so it will be a training camp thing, which um, I haven't discussed it with him. I mean, we want to do the best thing that gets his rehab right. But no, I fully expect that Jimmy's on our team to be a part of our team. You see a scenario in which he is on the roster in 2020? Yeah, I can see that. That's Kyle Shanahan moments ago. They're talking like right now. That just happened. Yeah. Guys, whatever you want to say about Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan's system and this and that, if it's all about Shanahan, why are his replacement quarterbacks 
basically winning 25% of their games, and he's almost 75% of his games. He's doing something, right? I understand why they're not anxious to get rid of him, especially for a low second-round pick. Well, here's the thing. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have the luxury of having two quarterbacks that have proven that they can coexist in the same room and the team have a high level of success. Usually, you would split the locker room. You'd have one guy that could potentially polarize a group of guys on that team and, and all of a sudden, you're not having the team results that you're looking for. That's not the case with the 49ers. So there doesn't have to be any urgency to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, that being said, you do want to try to capitalize on having Trey Lance on a rookie contract. You want that window to be as long and as wide as it possibly can be. It doesn't make sense to eat up two full years of Trey Lance's four-year rookie deal. I just, I just can't get on board with that. This is a guy that they invested too much draft capital in not to find out what they got sooner rather than later. I think Jimmy G is a good quarterback. I do not think he's an elite quarterback, and I think he is a quarterback perfectly suited for what the 49ers have with the way they run the ball and with the, with the, with the way their defense is. But like that's that's as far as I'm going to go with Jimmy G. So, but, but why would you want to keep him? But, but, I keep him. I'm with yeah. you. But, but it's it's more of a template. It's a holding template for me. It's not something that's going to take me over the hump. I don't believe it can. Jay, just think about how good that running game could be if Trey Lance was a part oh, of it I, as the quarterback. Oh, I agree with there, you. There is no defense for a running game that features the and quarterback. And people always are talking to me about what, no Jimmy, what Jimmy G could have done. He hasn't done it. Well, exactly. Well, well, actually, the last two times he was healthy, he was one throw away from winning the Super Bowl. There you and go. Then but he, was, he didn't do it. he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Do it. Pardon me. He was the se- he he was in charge of the second best team in the league, yeah. and then this okay, year great. he was one of the best four teams in the league. Yeah, but great. they're That's trying to win seasons. a Super Bowl. And only, only two is healthy. Right. They're trying so to win close. a Super Bowl. We yes, so they, close. Oh, close there, we got a consolation prize. We're running up. Throw okay, away we're good. From winning the Super Bowl, that tells me you can win the Super Bowl. Then there's Lamar Jackson. Speaking of winning Super Bowls, you like Lamar, huh? He's never been to a championship game. Here's John Harbaugh and where the team stands on a contract extension for Lamar. When we get back, maybe another conversation will be had. You know, when we get back in April, you know, possibly. I assume, you know, with Lamar, you never know. I mean, it's not, it's not really just in the forefront of his mind. And whenever I talk to him, I think he is planning on something being done. We're planning on something being done. I'm confident it's going to happen. Jay, Lamar Jackson, I thought, had three separate weeks this year where he's the best player on earth. Mm-hmm. He's won an MVP. He's won a playoff game. He's beaten Mahomes in the regular season. What's taking so long with Lamar, do you think? I have no idea. I'll tell you one thing, though. As he keeps watching all these quarterbacks get paid bigger and bigger and bigger money, oh, come bring it my way sooner or later, CeCe. You just answered your own question, Jay. I mean, to, to your point, what Mike Tannenbaum said earlier, Lamar Jackson just made himself $80 more million mm-hmm. on his contract by just waiting. Looking at all the quarterback extensions that are going to get done this offseason, seeing what A-Rod got, seeing what Matt Stafford got, seeing what Deshaun Watson got, what Derek Carr is going to get, maybe even Russell Wilson if they work out ownership in Denver. Lamar Jackson is playing the waiting game because he knows the closer I get to free agency, the more leverage I have, and every year that we start going forward, the salary cap is going to continue to explode because of the television deals. There's going to be more money. And so why not bet on myself? Similar to what we saw from Kirk Cousins. Similar to what we saw from Dak Prescott. I was about to say Kirk. Yeah, they're going to bet on myself. I'm a quarterback. The rules are built to protect me. Why not bet on myself? I was about to say Kirk Cousins because in different ways, they're gaming the system. The system is set up a certain way. Kirk Cousins has played it beautifully. He's been the highest paid guy over the last X number of years. He's made more money than anyone in the NFL. That's how a good quarterback gets great quarterback money. If you're Lamar Jackson, an MVP quarterback – He's if about a big, what, a quarter billion dollars? Guaranteed? Yeah. yeah. 
Did you yeah, tell me they were in the same conversation, him and Jimmy G? Is that what you were trying to do beforehand? No. No, okay. no, 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 no. No, no. Lamar Jackson is. He did try to do that, though. He did try to do that, though. What I'm trying to point out to you is. What I'm trying to point out to you is there are great quarterbacks who have not done what Jimmy G did. By the way, Aaron Rodgers got out played down the stretch and therefore lost the game. Swap quarterbacks down the stretch he of that get game? He didn't get outplayed by Jimmy G. Yes, he did. He didn't get outplayed by Jimmy G. How did he get outplayed? Jimmy G played better than Aaron Rodgers no, in the second half of that game. Yes, he did. Go no, back and look. Lies, lies, lies. One quarterback scored an offensive touchdown. The then other one didn't. there's the Chiefs who traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. And we heard from Andy Reid on why they made that trade. We did try to sign Tyreek at a certain cost. Uh, once it gets past that, now you can see what we're doing here with uh, the players we brought in, and we feel they're very good football players. So we'll see. I mean, the end result is going to be what takes place during the season, but Brett's building this thing back uh, to where we feel comfortable so that we can go win on Sundays. Look, I'm the biggest Mahomes fan in the world. We have not yet seen him play an extended period without Tyree Kill. It's just a fact. What does this trade Hill away from the Chiefs mean for Patrick Mahomes? Well, it changes how defenses have to approach the Kansas City offense. You're going to see a lot of two-shell coverages with Tyree Kill on the field because nobody wants to give up the big play. But with him off, you're going to get a lot more single-high man coverage underneath, which means it's going to be tougher for, for Travis Kelsey and some of those other receivers, tighter windows. But I trust in Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes to be able to figure this thing out. They'll MacGyver it. I mean, they're going to throw bodies at trying to replace Tyreek Hill. It's going to be by committee, not just one guy. You added Juju on a reasonable deal. You added MVS on a reasonable deal. And you added a first-round draft pick. So you're talking about being able to go after one of those guys, whether it's Jamison Williams or Chris Olave in a draft, and see if that guy can develop and all the while you do have enough of a veteran presence in your receiver room, well, you'll be able to figure it out in the you short see, term. I think this is going to help Patrick Mahomes. I think there was a tendency that when stuff got really, really tough, it was a bailout, right? He could throw the ball, and, and he took a lot of chances. Yep. Now that you, can't, you don't have that kind of speed, Demon, you can't take as many chances. You have to be more precise with the ball. I actually think it's going to be to his advantage. When the, I'm not going to make the claim that Kansas City is a better team without Tyreek Hill, but I understand your point. The number one receiver goes from being number 10 to being the guy that's open mm-hmm. and forcing Pat Mahomes to look at the entire field and go through his progression rather than just relying on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So I thought even maybe that's one of the reasons Devontae, like they let Devontae out the doors because they thought, well, Rodgers could spread it around like Brady used to maybe. Maybe that'll help us in the moment of truth, although I, you don't want to lose your best players. The Travis Kelsey point to me is very interesting. We were talking about Saquon Barkley earlier in this show, and Saquon Barkley had no offensive line. It was awful. He had, an, he had the remains of Eli Manning. He was awful and had 2,000 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. Know who was on that team? Odell Beckham Jr. When you got a guy who can loosen it up, mm-hmm. I don't know Travis Kelsey's not a running back, but it's a shorter pass type game. When you have a guy who can loosen it up like Tyreek, I'm very interested to see in Mahomes and Kelsey. He's going to be more reliant on Kelsey than ever, but will Kelsey be as effective? My guess is actually yes, but we shall see. All right. And a week after the Jets missed out on Tyreek Hill, Robert Sala says the club has no regrets on taking a shot at the explosive playmaker. Listen. We thought it'd be a really good opportunity when it was presented to us to add a, an elite player to our, to our offense, uh, along with all the really good players that we have now. And uh, 
obviously, Joe was aggressive, took a big swing. Didn't work out, win some, lose some, uh, but happy we tried it. You win some, you lose some. The young man wanted to go to Miami. We knew that. Uh, we knew we had to be aggressive, which I felt like we were. And, uh, you know, it's uh, really excited for him, you know, that he gets his opportunity to go back home. But uh, And really excited for the opportunity to compete against him. Should the Jets try to trade for a couple of receivers who are still out there, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, even throw in Debo Samuel maybe? Yeah, I don't think that A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel are going anywhere because those teams are competing for championships. But I do think D.K. can be had for the right number. And if you look at the trade package that the Jets put together for Tyreek Hill, it was competitive. You're talking about two twos this year that are in the 30s and then having a third-round pick as well. So that's not nothing. And for a team like the Seattle Seahawks that seems like they're about to go through a rebuild, it will make a lot of sense to be able to move on from that guy. And with DK, you know what you're getting from a production standpoint, but also from a sports character standpoint. So I would be all on board with bringing over a true number one receiver, a guy that can dictate front and coverage, just so I can figure out whether or not I have a franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. It's similar to what the Dallas Cowboys did with Dak Prescott when they traded for Amari Cooper. They gave up a one to answer the question of whether or not they had a quarterback. I, I, loved, I would love the move for a DK Metcalf for what he can do to your locker room. And I think any sign of a young team is you, you need veteran presences to be around in order to show them this is how things are done in the National Football League or this is how things are done in the NBA. The way you approach the game on a day-to-day basis, the way you work, the way you go through scouting report, the way you practice, all these minor details that we as fans look over because Sunday is all we care about, those little uh, kind of degrees or details between the line, like that's what matters The way the you most. chase down corners on interceptions, right? And his body speaks for itself. It tells the work you put in. Yep. All that stuff matters. The only thing I'll say is this. Fine. You want DK Metcalf. And also, I think qualitatively, I like DK's upside, which I still think hasn't been fully tapped, more than A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel, to be honest, if I have to rank them. And I like A.J. Brown a lot, by the way. Debo, too. I would not touch my top two picks. And it looks like from these deals, maybe the Jets wouldn't have to. But if, one of the, if the deal is I got a top touch one of my top two picks and I'm the Jets nope pass if I could do it without touching one of my top 10 picks they have two picks in the top 10 yes maybe well this is a deep receiver draft and we've seen receivers come into the league and have instant success Max I mean you go I mean Jamar Chase this year Justin Jefferson the year before that like it's I don't have to give you a top 10 pick in order to bring over a number one receiver now Am I willing to give you a couple of second-round picks, mm-hmm. a mid-round Even pick, a third-round pick? Even though every best receiver in the world sure. is taken in the, the second, second round, round nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> well, not Jamar. Jamar Chase is the best receiver yeah, in the league. Yeah, he was a top yeah five maybe pick. he might be. That's yeah. right. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. 
Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, Chris Canty, in for Key today. And we are joined now by ESPN basketball analyst, Monica McNutt. Monica, let good morning. Was UConn-NC State the best game of March Madness, and I mean men, women, period, of March Madness? Ah, this is such a tough question. It was def- the double OT made it special, but I do think on the women's side, we've had some pretty good games. I go to Iowa Creighton that stands out, took a buzzer buzzer beater by Lord, Lauren Jensen to get that one done. Um, but I guess, you know, two OTs are better than none or one. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> Monica, this is like to a pretty spirited conversation this morning between Chris Canty, Max, and myself about who had a bigger impact on their sport, Coach K or Gino? Both guys obviously involved with USA Basketball, both guys at the pinnacle of what they're doing for college basketball. I ask you, who has had a bigger impact on their sport? God, this is like, who these questions? Love this. Um, You know, whew, that's tough. I think I would have to give the nod to Gino. I mean, come on, Max led in with it. He's 14 consecutive uh, final four appearances. And I think, well, I don't know if people know, but like UConn wasn't an institution prior to Gino. And I guess you could probably argue the same about Duke, but I just think the sustained success um, anytime there's an organization team program at any level that sort of represents the gold tan- gold standard, everybody is chasing that. Um, I will say that I think while UConn has been incredible, Pat Summit, Tar Vanderveer, our names also sort of in that class in terms of what they accomplished in the women's game. I mean, Pat Summit, God rest her soul, she was a monster at what she did. But I, I think I have to give the slightest edge to Gino because I think everybody's been chasing UConn here lately. Talking with ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt on KJM. And Monica, another aspect of our debate was – who was in better shape long-term to have success, the women's college basketball game or the men's college basketball game? I think it's a I, – I, I saw that question, and I was like, hmm. I, I kind of think that that one's an even. Um, I think the interest right now in women's sports, I don't know that it's ever been higher. And I know, you know, the conversations we've had as a country in the past couple of years have been very important. But now we get to see the sincerity of it as time continues to tick along. And so I think – that there is a renewed interest in women's sports where men's sports has always had a baseline. Um, and so I'm going to say that it's pretty much an even because the men's baseline is impressive in its own right. But I think that we have to see partners, brands, players even continue to capitalize on this moment and continue to grow the game on the women's side. You see, Monica, I think there are more brands that are more nationally recognized due to the fact that women have to stay in college for a, a longer period of time than men. When you look at people like Paige Beckers, who has over 950,000 people that follow her on IG. When you look at Haley Van Lith, who has 700,000 people that follow her on IG. When you look at those type of brand names, when I start throwing names around like Johnny Davis, who plays her Wisconsin, who's up for National Player of the Year, my man is 60,000 people that follow him on, on IG. Or Oscar Shigway, right, for Kentucky. He has 50,000 people that follow him. So I think the fact that they've been around longer, we can talk about them because those brands are built over time. Well, Jay, and I, so back to my point, though, I think that innately, 
female athletes, women athletes have to capitalize on that moment. The mm-hmm. difference in Johnny Davis or Oscar Sheboy is they're going to go on to the NBA. And even if they stink their first five years or with a terrible team, if something happens for them in year six and they're just affiliated with a team that is successful, that changes the access that they have both to brands and in terms of doing business after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think innately because women's basketball and women's sports fans have been so diehard and they are willing to go high and low to find their teams to watch them the organic growth that we see of social is vital because that is where you connect because they are not on as often as the men however should Haley Van Lith or Paige Beckers decide that they just want to rely solely on the WNBA I'm not sure what those brand partnerships look like beyond and Natasha Cloud is one who has pointed out Uh, The discrepancies in some of the we'll quote it as NIL because that applies to college. But there's not as many marketing and endorsements on a grand stage for WNBA players as there are NBA. And so the window is small. Talking to Monica McNutt on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Chris Canty in for Key today. Monica, ESPN basketball analyst, of course. Monica, I want to follow up with that because I think what we've been discussing on this show and you touched on it briefly when you just started your last statement, which was. You know, it's not an exercise in fairness why people consume a given product. It's the quality of the product. And when we're talking about the women's long-term future, we feel like it's set up better in college basketball than the men because there are fewer one-and-dones. You know, we're more invested, therefore, in the characters, right? What's at stake for them? What makes them tick? What's the obstacle they have to get over? And so the quality of play is very high, but more importantly, it's, we f- it's easier to follow in a way. And so structurally, maybe it's set up for better long-term success. That was the conversation we were having, at least. Okay, and I'll follow you on, the, on that, Max. And the following statement comes from the bottom of my heart with all the love. But to that end, to my knowledge, this is the first time that we've had this discussion on y'all's show. And so the idea that people are following these women is great, but are these women on platforms and having discussed part of the sports conversation and the sports fabric regularly? That would be my challenge. Well, we're looking forward. I mean, you're right. Yeah. It's starting to happen. For example, got a, kind of the number one topic on the show today. Right. And UConn is a driver and we love that. However, South Carolina has been number one wire to wire all year long. Louisville has been a terrific team. NC State, you know what I mean? And so I hear you in theory. Yes, you've got four years to follow your favorite players. And if they hop around the transfer portal, you can follow them there. But the amplification is still not what it is for the fellas. And that matters in terms of making women's sports water cooler conversation the same way that i had south carolina fans chirping back and forth with me on twitter which i loved i'm here for the dialogue the discussion and we shouldn't agree but we should all have the opportunity to easily go and watch if that's what we want to do no doubt about it and sue bird was making that same point on 60 minutes a couple of weeks ago about growing that platform and making sure that they have the right outlets and the right media partners moving forward for the women's game. But, Monica, I want to ask you this because you brought it up. You saw, you talked about Louisville. You talked about South Carolina. With the final four set, what do you make of the two semifinal matchups? Ooh, child, Canty. This thing is going to be exciting. Listen, South Carolina has been wired to wire number one, and I think the story there is great. Everybody that follows the women's game, and probably mainstream, saw the image of Aaliyah Boston crumbling last year when she couldn't get that put back to go that would have advanced them to the national title game. They are on a mission in terms of redemption. Now, the the concern that I have as we move into the final four is you got a Paige Beckers and an AZ foot on the other side. And Paige literally has shown us that she lives for the moment. Um, and at points, 
South Carolina's offense has looked a little bit questionable in this tournament. But then you got a Stanford squad who's got Haley Jones and Lexi Hall, who scored all of the points in the fourth quarter to get that team past Texas. And then Louisville, their defense is just insane. They came the, it, going into last night's game, they were forcing 20 turnovers per game, which looked like 27 points off of those turnovers. And so as I look ahead to matchups, I think all these teams have the ability to defend, but which players are ready and prepared to take on the moments because I think we're in for some more really tight games maybe another double overtime game it's going to be that close Monica mm-hmm. McNutt ladies and gentlemen thanks Monica Monica Duke it. or Carolina who you got real quick oh, Carolina, oh. Sorry, Jay, love you. Ah. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp we all carry around different stressors I do you do we all do big small and when we keep them bottled up as I sometimes have had happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com. The Keyshawn J Will and Max podcast. What's our level of concern? Zero, fifty, more to the max. This is Zero to the Max. What we got, Evan? Yeah, so we were talking before the show about how reliable Wikipedia is, right? So I'm going to just read a sentence that I got from Wikipedia. I have no idea if it's true. And you're going to tell me Zero, Fifty, or to the Max, your confidence level that this sentence is true. To the Max on everything. All right. I believe anything I read on Wikipedia. Okay, good. Keep going. Former Chiefs head coach Hank Stram is largely responsible for the introduction of Gatorade to the NFL. Zero, Fifty, to the Max. I'm going to go to the max. To the max. Yeah, to the max. Real I'm to confident yeah. that he matriculated that thing on the sideline just like <laughs> those Chiefs matriculated that thing down the field. <laughs> to the max. To the max. Gatorade. He matriculated I, I, that brand up our consciousness. I'm with CC. To the max. Yeah. To the max. Longtime Dodgers voice Vin Scully grew up a very big Giants fan. Zero fifty or to the max. I'm going to go to the max. It just feels like it's right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the max, too. I know he's, got East, Coast, he's got East Coast theory. ties. Yeah. I'm going to go to the max. I, like, when you said that, that sounds familiar to me. So I'm going to go to the max. By the way, Vin Scully, greatest play-by-play, whatever you want to call it, whoever lived. He can do a game by himself. And it's great the whole time. He's unbelievable. I produced an award-winning documentary about Vin Scully, so that is true. Didn't Vin ah, Scully go to Fordham? He wait, did. They went wait, the same yeah, school we don't as talk one about Michael Fordham. K. We but Fordham's talk- right there by the old polo grounds. Wait, wait, time out. Yeah, Why I you know. Guys I'm skipping- from the Bronx, Max. Why are you guys skipping over what Evan just said? You, you had an award-winning documentary? About Vin Scully called Vin Scully Voice of Generations. It won a gold and silver medal at the New York Festival's Radio Awards. It won the Evan Wilner Best Documentary so Award. Cool story, Evan. That's so messy. Up, Let this man thrive. It's not a Super Bowl, Chris, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He also wasn't on a defense. They kicked the ball to Deshaun Watson. At the time of his retirement, Pitcher Jamie Moyer had faced 8.9% of all MLB hitters ever. Oh, my God. That can't be true. However, Moyer pitched to an incredibly old age. He had a 50. little bit of a late start. Well, not a late He pitched start. until he was 50? Let me see. Yeah. Jamie Moyer's first decent season was like 87, 88. <sighs> and he pitched into the 2000s. Into the 2010s, yeah. His last season 8. was uh, 2010. Are we just talking about the live ball era, or are we talking about the history of the sport? I'll it's say that. MLB okay, watch this. Ever. Watch this. My confidence is to the max that that was true at the moment he retired. I don't think it's still true. Correct. I'll go for yeah, it. Oh. That's good. That's good. That was yeah. correct. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go zero. He just said it, he was, just said it was correct. No, I said what Max is said is probably We're accurate. Back you voted at KJ and Max on Twitter, and we listen. It's time for Choose Your Own Adventure. All right, guys, what should we talk about in this segment? You produced the show. Voted on it on Twitter at KJ Max. Should we talk about the NBA's Eastern Conference? Twenty three point three percent of you said yes. What about LeBron James's best title chance? Six point nine percent of you. You're like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. March Madness's best game. Thirty two point five percent did that. No, if you're not doing the math in your head, maybe that won it. Nope. NFL new overtime rules. It's unbelievable. No matter what happens, NFL is king. No doubt. So, all right, we're talking about the overtime rules in the NFL, guys. Here is what Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy, Mike Tomlin had to say about uh, well, his take on the idea that we're even looking at proposals for the NFL uh, overtime. Listen to this. To be quite honest with you, I'm a sudden death advocate. I'm a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, and I never have. Uh, but obviously, I lost that battle a decade ago. <laughs> but my position remains unchanged. I am one of the few sudden death advocates, I would imagine. I just think 60 minutes, everybody has had a fair opportunity to win the game. And, and so, you know, when you're talking about changes as it pertains to competitive fairness, I speak to the first 60 minutes that we all had to win the game. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You weigh in on the NFL overtime rules. Jay, what did you say? Did we just hear Mike Tomlin laugh? Yeah, we did. I've never heard Mike Tomlin laugh before. Have you guys? No, I I haven't. It's always been like such a serious demeanor all the time. The tone is always serious. Can we play that back? I'm just curious. And he's always projecting his voice. It was a funny laugh. It was a laugh that I wouldn't associate with who Mike Tomlin is. Most significant thing in that audio. Yeah, he laughed. It's true. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not as awkward as a Kawhi Leonard laugh. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was yeah, kind of It wasn't strange. awkward. It was just it's, rare. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like when Anthony Davis plays. But, um, no, it's a situation <laughs> well, where... Lakers fans would bring up AD <laughs> yo, out of the blue. Yo, even, yo. You called him Mr. Glass yesterday, right? Yo, the Q Richardson. Call me and smiles, and Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. <laughs> That's AD. Damn. But anyway, getting back to Mike Tomlin, I, I'm with him, man. I didn't think that they needed to change the, su- the sudden death overtime, but the reality is that the NFL is an entertainment product, Max, and they want to acquiesce to what the fans want, try to find new and inventive ways to attract uh, you know, a, a broader demographic and being able to have the overtime rules where both quarterbacks can touch the ball is ultimately what they're after because the quarterbacks are the marquee for the game. Buffalo, get a stop. I'm with you. Get well, how about Buffalo? How about, how about you don't botch the kickoff at the end of regulation and give the Chiefs an opportunity Can we stop with time being left? a society that just always makes excuses? Yeah. Always makes, there's always no, some no, kind Jay, of excuse. Jay, here's the thing. Well, oh, we needed to be quarterbacks fair. quarterbacks didn't get Jay. the ball, and it has to be fair. Fair is, is a fair? place where they judge pigs at. It's not the National Football League. <laughs> I got to hear Mike Tomlin laugh. That's how Mike Tomlin would laugh if you heard me say that. Exactly that can't how he, be Mike <laughs> he cracked himself up. Exactly. <laughs> you always feel like if you laughed around Mike Tomlin, he'd scowl at you or something. Like, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sir. I didn't Nobody mean to laughs laugh. during my pressers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the great. thing about football that I really appreciate, and um, it, you know, football was invented. It was, it was like basketball and football. The reason that. Soccer, for all we've heard, oh, soccer's going to take over. I've been hearing that since I was eight years old. But it hasn't happened in this country. It hasn't taken over. Like, I'm a, I'm a baseball it's fan. It's over in the world. Though, I'm talking about in this country. Okay. I'm a baseball fan from way back. Way I love baseball. love the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But I recognize, compared to basketball and football, it's boring. It's not consumer-friendly. I just grew up with it. Soccer fans can't admit it, but it's the same thing. Basketball and football are the evolution of sports. Basketball's like natural selection, Right. Football's like intelligent design. Literally, the deans of the Ivy League schools got together and essentially invented football because they're like these rugby and soccer matches we have. People aren't showing up. How can we change the rules to make it more consumer-friendly? That's the genesis of the rules committee. So the great thing about football is you don't fight against the same thing you do in a sport like baseball. I don't want anything new, right? Football, they're changing rules all the time. And I like that idea, Chris, when you identify they want to make it more consumer-friendly. That The reason football's so popular is that's what they've always done. They give the people what they want. So why not change overtime rules to not even if even, – you might not even think there's anything wrong with the overtime sure. rules, but here's an opportunity to make the game even more dramatic, more exciting. Well, you're absolutely right, Max, and I think that the NFL has the bank account to prove it. That's why they're knocking on the door of being a $20 billion business annually <laughs> when the next closest is about half of that. That's why the NFL is king is because they're not afraid to innovate – and change with the times and being able to attract the broadest audience possible. We got a couple of Corys on the line. One from Cali, one from New York. They're like matter and antimatter. They're, they're, if they ever collided, they would uh, destroy each other. Corey and Cali. You're on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. ESPN Radio. How you doing? What up, baby? Hey, doing good. Hey, I think everybody's overthinking this. Let's bring the kickers out. We're all tied. Let's bring the kickers out on the 20-yard line. One makes it, one missed, we're done. 
We keep going back five yards. We keep going back five yards. Come That's on, what I man. said, Corey. On, I man. love that Stop idea. It. Put the, football. Put the game in the hands no. of the human. You mean in the feet of the human. I'm tired of being next to a guy who's 6'9", 350. He's an alien. Put the in game the in the hands of the feet of the humans. That's the problem. The it's called football, but it's as soon as they got away from the feet and to the hands, see these opposable thumbs? I want, you get to use them. That's why everyone loves football. I don't understand why you want to leave the game to the guys that are on the field that aren't football players. Kickers aren't Whoa. football players. Well, kickers aren't they're, football players They're now? barely even people. Yeah, what is wow. What are you talking about? Wow. You want to leave the game in their hands? Hey, let's, we got to get to the New York call. That's Corey in, in Cali. Now here's Corey in New York on the overtime Such a rules. stark difference. There has to be. The bizarro Corey. Go ahead, Corey. Hey, guys. It's an honor to talk to all of you. And yes, go do blue, sure. blue, go dookies. That's right, Corey. You tell him, baby. Chris Canty in for Keto. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, tell Kiwi I said hi, and I really love the college football play uh, OT, but I like to spice it up a little bit. I don't know if you guys can think of an idea, maybe spicing it up that college football make it a little better, but I love the the college football OT. Okay, what do you think of college football OT? I hate it. I hate it. I mean, you go back and forth from the 25-yard line, you got to score a touchdown and kick a field goal, and at the end of the second one, if you don't have a winner, you're talking about having to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion to decide it. I hate that. Remember back in the day, the Miami-Ohio State overtime for the championship? I, I hate mean, that. You had some great I hate games. It. Hey, guys, I got a question. Hey, Mike Tomlin, is Mitchell Trubisky really going to be the answer for the Steelers in the AFC North? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Well played. Well played. He went 8-8 eight eight with Mason Rudolph. You think Coach can't win 10 games way, in a 17 game season? The best is Max is no. like, Mitchell Trubisky, I like it. This is a good move for them. Well, that was before they got the Sean Watson comes. He's like, ah. Not anymore. They got the worst quarterback in the division. Mitch Trubisky is not going to be Ryan Tannehill for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to be above or below 500 this year? Below. I mean, it's Mike Tomlin. Above 500. I'm saying below. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. That was Chris Canty. Greeny, coming up next. We're back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.